tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Welcome back, listener, to the Campbell's Footballs podcast. I'm joined for this episode by a real funny man from the world of Scottish football, the legend that is Tam Cowan. Tam, a warm welcome to the show. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm really well. Well, missing the football, obviously, but uh, at this very strange times, health and family is far more important than anything else. How are you coping during these times? Uh, I'm alright. I must say, I'm, uh, I feel blessed in that. Uh, I'm still able to get into the radio. I'm sitting in the car just outside the BBC now. And what a difference it made from day one when me and Stuart realised. I mean, you'll have seen programmes. Some some people say it's kind of spoiled them a bit. Like, have I got news for you? When they're trying to do it while sitting at home and on Zoom as we are now. Um, in my opinion, it's, no, it's just not the same. It isn't. And if the BBC had asked me and Stuart uh, to record the shows from our respective homes... Uh, with me sitting maybe in my wee office and Stuart maybe in the, the library in the east wing of uh, his uh, place, then I just don't think it would be the same vibe. No. But fortunately, we're able, socially distancing of course, uh, we're able to sit in the studio and maybe the only slight downer is that our, our guests uh, are on the phone uh, because there's absolutely nothing. We've got a sense of it here. Uh, we are uh, a chat on Zoom, but there's nothing to beat, uh, particularly when you're doing a show like ours, eye contact. No, I fully agree. guest right there. And it means even whoever it is you're saying, if you're, if you're gently taking the piss or whatever, <laughs> if you're doing it while looking at the person and there's a wee wink and a wee smile on your face, then it, it, it's, it's easier uh, to, to kind of make that clear that yeah. you're, you're only having a laugh and a joke. Whereas if you say something down the phone line, you know, it could be easily uh, misinterpreted. So, joy of joys that we're able to get in on a Saturday. And even, I must be honest as well, and a lot of even my pals that are able and have been able to get into their work uh, since lockdown, uh, you know, it, it, it gives you a wee break for the domestic side of things. And in my case, with my wife and my wee girl, yeah. I'm sure they appreciate having a wee break for me, <laughs> just skulking about the house. Because I must be honest, I've been, been really playing it by the rules as well. Um, I, I, I haven't done any Snyders in uh, lockdown even. I thought I'd blown it with Professor Jason Leach when I told him a number of weeks ago that I had been out to see my dad in Motherwell. My dad, uh, all being well, will be 87 right. in September. And when I said I went out, he, he lives in a block of flats. I said when I'm out to visit my dad, he's on the first floor. I just stood outside on the pavement and shouted up to him for the conversation. Mm-hmm. But Jason was quick to shout me down and say, oh well, it wasn't an essential visit. So I, and apologies if the professor sees this, I immediately said, ah, I was, uh, I was taking him out of, uh, I was taking him out of prescription. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I actually, now there you go, there's an exclusive, you've been, in, you've been interrupted by Judith Ralston. <laughs> She's brilliant. She's brilliant. Who maybe thought I was going off my head and sitting in a motor talking to myself. <laughs> to see if uh, I had a hose pipe gone for the exhaust in here. I was wanting to end it all, but it was just Judith being nice. And I'm just watching her as she walks in my wing mirror as she walks into the BBC. Um, but yeah. 
So I kind of, uh, that day, I was, I, that's what I had home to me. Yeah. Because I thought with my dad being the age that he was at 87, with me socially distancing, mm-hmm. um, standing on the pavement, looking up to my dad at his flat, he's hanging out the window, and I'm having a wee blether to him. Yeah. About this, that, and the next thing. That was an eye-opener for me, because of course then Jason said no, and the reason you can't get out there is that while you were driving out there, if you were involved in a car crash or a bump, or if you took unwell when you were out at your dad's, then it was it would be a stretch on the, the nation's resources. Yes. Uh, you would then require treatment. So we're all kind of learning about that, but uh, I must be honest, when it, when it comes to answer your question, uh, in terms of coping and stuff, I'm, I'm, you know, there are people a lot worse, a lot, lot worse off than uh, myself. I'm fortunate that we've got a fairly spacious house, we've got a back garden, we've got a quiet road at the front of us, uh, so we're able to get plenty of space, my wee girl is able to get fresh air and play, and we're very fortunate we've got food in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. And, um... That's it. So I, I count my blessings with that every single day. No, absolutely. And I'm in the same position. I'm actually very lucky. I'm in, in the same house with my own family. And I can't visit my gran because obviously she lives up further afield. And that's something I really miss. But like you like you said, you know, we're in unprecedented times. And, you know, we just have to try and keep as sane as we possibly can and keep as safe as we possibly can during these very difficult times. Now, you've been keeping the nation entertained on your Instagram channel with your coronavirus playlist, which I find so very funny. How did that come about? Um, I, I think, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I think when uh, I've been on Instagram since last, uh, it's, I'm coming up nearly on my first anniversary, I was not on social media at all. Mm-hmm. And my wife kept kind of badgering me and saying, you know, you should, you should get involved in social media. I'm far too thin-skinned for Twitter, just not interested. I see some of the the poison mm. uh, that goes on there, and I thought, nah. And she said to me, what about Instagram? So my first post, and I think it was the 3rd of July, it was a kind of classic uh, first post on Charlotte. It was when we were flying out to Florida, and my first post was me just sitting in my seat, uh, a picture looking at the plane window, and it was pissing down the rain, and the post was sent along the line, you're right, take a guess, are we still in Glasgow, or have we arrived in Florida? And that was it. And my dear then was today, the Florida Diaries, because in every other holiday previous to that, I'd kept uh, physically a diary, a, a, a wee jotter, or a wee notebook, uh, and put in that what we did every day in our holiday. And it was for the benefit of my wee girl, maybe years to come, because mm-hmm. my dad always did that with me. Right. Um, he would uh, keep a wee diary, and I've still got them when I was a wee boy when we went on holiday, and they're fascinating to read back on. So in, for a wee change, my wife says, why don't you do the wee holiday diary on Instagram? And then you've got pictures as well, you've got videos, and of course you've got as many words as you want to put in. So I did that, and then it kind of took off a wee bit. Uh, I get quite a lot of followers very quickly, um, obviously having some sort of public profile, even as a Z-lister, it kind of helps, of course, <laughs> but I garnered quite a lot of uh, followers in a short space of time. I was going to finish it after the Florida Diaries, I'll be honest with you, and then when I happened to mention that in one post, um, I got a great reaction there as well, mm-hmm. with a lot of folks, you know, keep it going, Tom, it's been a good laugh and all that, so I kept it going, and it was my way of um, doing 
posts about about the football, about being at the football, about um, about doing the radio, for example, uh, going to other work things. Be it if I was speaking at a football event or hosting some awards or some corporate do, and then when we did get into lockdown, um, the coronavirus when it uh, reared its ugly head, mm. um, I just started for something different then. Uh, some songs, just me uh, parodies and stuff like that, picking a subject, and it was good fun. I mean, I, I've, I've always effectively been a writer. I'm always somebody that's enjoyed writing, yes. uh, writing newspaper columns, writing jokes. So yeah, I saw it as a wee bit of a challenge. Well, some folk mm-hmm. would maybe sit in front of a movie on Netflix, or other folk like my BBC colleague Richard Gordon uh, has turned himself into a dab hand at the baking. He's been doing everything from tablet to rowies to yep. all sorts of stuff. Then I, I, I enjoyed sitting down with a wee idea for a song, be it when I look back, a song about Catherine Calderwood, yep. moving right up to Dan one about Dominic Cummings, uh, in between Dan one's about the supermarket shelves being bare, uh, anything at all. Uh, and I've, I've kind of enjoyed the craft almost behind yep. it. And then Joy of Joys, because I forgot with the first couple that I did that you could just use old kind of karaoke tracks yes. that you would get on the computer. So I would normally do them sitting in my office, uh, singing them into the, my camera phone, but while behind that, my phone normally resting against it, I've got my iMac on and I'm using the karaoke backing track. Yeah. Uh, but they did take a bit of time uh, before MD uh, gets a bit kind of wags a finger at me then or tells me they're shy. You know, they did take a bit of time. And I've been quite proud of some of them. And I did, of course, uh, I did probably the one that got uh, the biggest response so far. There was two of them indeed. I did one about uh, uh, Professor Jason, uh, which was just called Leech. He's yeah. a star. I love that which one. Which was a nice, it, it scanned beautifully for the old S Club 7 uh, hit Reach for a Star, which is as trendy as I'll ever get. <laughs> I mean, when, when were S Club 7 in the go? They must have been about 20 years ago now. So around 2000s, yeah, we'd be around that late 90s. Right. So that one, even that was endorsed by the bold professor um, who put it up on his Twitter account and it went a bit crazy. And then the one that I really put my heart and soul into, and it was from the heart, uh, was uh, Chicken Corma, my take on Ness and Dorma. <laughs> and I had still the beard at the time, I was very unkempt, as you can tell. And the wee uh, haircut, um, just last, uh, when did I get that? Monday. My wife, the clippers finally arrived, and my hair was badly, badly needed a haircut. And she also scalped in, uh, gave me a wee shave as well. And that was three weeks since I had my previous shave. I'm, I'm very lucky. Do you look as if a guy who'd be quite annoyed with a heavy growth? I think yours had come in the dark hair. Yes, that definitely. <laughs> Well, I'm blessed with that. It doesn't really happen to me, but it was really, I was really needing a shave at the time. I did the wee uh, Luciano Pavarotti spoof. So I allowed my, my wee nine-year-old daughter, Sophie, with her makeup kit and stuff like that, to really blacken up my beard, blacken up the eyebrows. She had a, a wee wig that was a bit of a tight fit. Uh, it was for one of her Disney princess outfits. We got that one as the hair. I slipped into my dinner suit and the bow tie and I gave it Lalde with uh, chicken corner. <laughs> and that got quite a bit of coverage as well between 
Grant Stock show on the BBC, uh, Kay Adams show on the BBC. Um, it was also featured in the Sunday Mail, albeit my pal Leslie Robertson, her column, she featured it. <laughs> and Leslie, I have to declare an interest. Leslie was my wife's chief bridesmaid when we get married. Right. So uh, that, that's how that would have come about. But uh, it was just a bit of fun. And I'll, I'll tell you how, seriously, if that's maybe the word, that I've been taking it because I realised that uh, this is now the first week, full calendar week, I have gone without doing a song and I'm starting to hang, oh, oh, and I'm hanging right, who's right for it now? Yeah. Uh, but you just need a good, I mean, Dominic Cummings has come and gone, you couldn't do another yes. one about him. So you're wondering, maybe, you know, hopefully I'll be able to do one soon about closed door Scottish football. Yeah. Uh, that would give a wee bit of inspiration, I'm sure. But other reason is as well, I've got, I think I've got something like 22 songs. Wow. Now, I kept kidding on about, uh, they're going to be for my forthcoming album uh, DVD called the, the Very Best of the Coronavirus. I've got enough for that album now. To be, I would to be purchase one. it. I've got plenty. I've got plenty that I could put on there. And um, what I should maybe do, I should maybe start striving uh, to get maybe a small publisher yeah. um, on board, and uh, we could maybe set it up and date for the NHS or something, yeah. date for a charity or whatever it might be. It might be a wee idea, you know. Yeah. What's it's, up? it's moved on a wee bit recently when I, another wee thing that I started that you've probably seen is just uh, a smile with the stars. Yes. Whereas I, I basically filleted my contacts last one day and anybody who was on WhatsApp, I sent them out a message saying, I'm going to start a wee thing just to keep the spirits up. A smile with the stars. Could you send me back on video a wee joke? Doesn't need to be a great joke. As long as it's 60 seconds or less. And I got a terrific response. I'll keep it going for probably months yet. Every day, say, oh, Gordon Strachan, Ali McCoy, uh, Chris Boyd. Uh, the aforementioned Judith Ralston, yeah. who just walked past us there, coming out of the BBC car park. Um, actors, singers, musicians, footballers, managers. I've got Craig Brown. Uh, I know you interviewed him. Yeah, I've had uh, Craig on the show. Craig's brilliant. Well, Craig sent us a wee story, and as you'll appreciate with Craig having spoken to me, somehow managed to stop at 60 seconds, <laughs> which was a, a miraculous feat for Absolutely. Craig. He's got such a wealth of knowledge, a breadth of stories. You could say to just Craig, you could say, oh, Craig, last night I was watching that, Scotland uh, Holland game to the 92 European Championships yep. and Craig could then talk about that for three days exactly if he allowed them and I don't I don't mean that in a bit and a bad way he's a very very engaging man and dare I say he wouldn't thank me for that but I I marvel at the fact that he has got such a great memory yeah uh, at the age because uh, Craig isn't getting any younger so good on him but Craig sent me a wee story as well which is perfect so I love that posted sometime in the coming uh, days or as I say even months uh, because I get loads of them it's terrific yeah well people listening to this later on when it comes out in July can follow Tam on Instagram and keep up to date with that now Tam you're a Absolutely. massive you're a massive Motherwell fan and I revel in listening to your stories about following Motherwell throughout the years what's your first memory of following the Steelman well it would have been I, I don't have I, I, I kind of quite 
respect folk who can pinpoint the very first game they went to. You got a lot of football. The first game I went to yeah. was in 1979. I went with my dad and I was five and I still remember it, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I can't pinpoint the first game because Fur Park was very accessible to me as a kid because we stayed maybe, I don't know, maybe a mile and a half, two miles down the road for Fur Park. And me and all my wee pals, when, when pals, Back when I'm going back to the, the mid 70s, late 70s, uh, when we used to, there was loads of young kids in our street at the same time, roughly the same age. So I, I, I've got a vague memory of maybe seeing the floodlights on at Fur Park uh, one night in the distance, a midweek Mullerwell game, and we just on mass went up to The game was clearly still in progress, and we probably hung about outside until they opened the gates. This mm-hmm. football grounds yesterday, maybe in the last 15 minutes, uh, they'd open the gates and we all piled in. No idea what the game was. Uh, that progressed into us being aware of the fact that round what was then the kind of Motherwell College end of uh, Firth Park, which is now where the two-tier south stand is, the open terrace in there at the, the fence at the back of it, there was a legendary almost like tunnel yeah. that if you were small and wiry enough, you could sneak in. Uh, to the game without mm-hmm. paying of course and it was a bit silly in some respects because but of course in that era we were able to do was got and simply get a lift over uh, a lift over the terraces and I did that for a number of years um, and it was great you'd up there with your pals you'd finish playing maybe if you were playing that day with the BBs at the football you would normally be finished by 2 o'clock the back at 2 yeah. and then I'd scoot up with some of my pals to Firth Park and that way, look, hanging about outside the turnstiles for a while, just asking, Mister, any chance you're off there? And I could never quite understand why some guys, some fans, uh, would uh, refuse. But, yeah, so anyway, I was able to get uh, a loft over the terraces. And then in 1979, uh, for what was my 10th birthday in April, I got a season ticket as my birthday present for that would have been for season 79-80 and I've basically renewed my season ticket um, every year so but when I do talk about memories yes I do remember as a kid having got a loft over seeing the very very tail end of Willie Pettigrew's career at Mullerbone nice. but I actually remember him there for seeing him on Scotsport my Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. uh, the image of Willie Pettigrew and a Rangers but uh, but for me, it was uh, the first team that I really, really remember, and with great fondness as well, was uh, the model team of 81-82 season, mm-hmm. when we ran away with the first division, the old first division, if you like, um, under Davey Hay, and we had a brilliant team, uh, we won it in a canter, and we were the top goal-scoring team in Britain, not just Scotland, so for me, being at an impressionable age, uh, that was a great team to, to kind of really... Uh, cement uh, my love uh, for football. Yeah, um, it was it was brilliant. But that's all I would say. Then the first team that I really remember following yeah. as a Motherwell fan, I would take you back to 1981 when I was 12. Brilliant, brilliant! What a fabulous insight there. Now you've had a lot of interesting kind of journeys within your own career. You've done a little bit of restaurant critiquing. You're a broadcaster. You've done a lot of. 21 years. Sh- what do you mean, little? <laughs> well, 
Fantastic. It's fantastic. How do you keep yourself so current and so interesting for people to listen to? You so much interesting concepts. It's the papers. I try to... I, I got a fair bit of swag, and I'm sure they don't mean it in a bad way, but maybe my, my taste in music and at times my taste in TV programs. I'd always be merely a one uh, for watching a, a rerun for a hundred time of uh, Faulty Towers <laughs> on UK Gold rather than watching the latest trendy documentary on Netflix, right? Yeah. That's what I enjoy. I'm not trying to force it on other people. They can watch what they want. And when it comes to music, boy, oh boy, I can, I can get folks slagging me about my music uh, because I happen to like good, old-fashioned, proper singers, be it Engelbert Humperdinck or Tony Bennett, Neil Sedaka, Frank Sinatra, whatever it might be. But that's what I like. Yeah. And if folk want to like stuff that is in the charts right now, then great. It'd be a boring old world Absolutely. if everybody liked the same stuff. But in terms of trying to keep things up to date, and particularly within a show off the ball, just trying to mention what others current and try to have a laugh and a joke about it. It's down to the, the newspapers. Definitely. Right up until last uh, uh, summer, when I became a cost-cutting casualty at the Scottish Sun newspaper, then I'd always, since I was 20, I'd been uh, immersed in newspapers, always worked with newspapers. Um, so, because of that, I, I'm one of the rare people now in Scotland who still buys newspapers, print mm -hmm. newspapers. Yeah. And I get a bundle of them delivered to my door every day. And um, so that's where, when I get into day off the ball on a Saturday, for example, I come in armed with an A4 sheet of paper, which is broken down day by day for the previous Sunday, uh, right up until Saturday morning, of all the stories, a shorthand version of the stories, front and back end of the right. papers, that's been happening that week and that is the kind of template that me and Stuart will use mm -hmm. uh, I come out with my list on a Saturday morning and I get through everything and we'll pick our four kind of topics from that list right. uh, football and non-football so because of that you always kind of keep uh, your finger in the pulse of Absolutely. what's happening in Scotland in general Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Now, I've got to do something slightly different to what I do with previous podcasts. I'm going to give you something Hi. very interesting. It's called a Top 10 Tamathon, which is basically I'm going to ask you 10 very short questions, either a, a either or an or, and I just want short, sharp answers. So, well, on the whole. So, your best game of all time? Right, I'll... I'll, I'll by actually saying rather than a, a, a certain cup final that I mentioned from time to time <laughs> uh, the, the six each draw between Motherwell and Hibs yeah. which for a variety of reasons was just absolutely bonkers and I think I was able to almost enjoy it more which sounds controversial I was almost able to enjoy that more than the cup final uh, simply simply because there wasn't the same pressure surrounding it, you know. Yeah. As, I, as, as I keep telling folk, there was, there was folk in the bowels of Hamden when we won the Scottish Cup that couldn't bear to watch. Yeah. They couldn't smoke in the main uh, seating area, the standing areas that would have been then at Hamden. They couldn't smoke, so a lot of them, their nerves jangling. Mm -hmm. They were doing into the bowels of Hamden where they couldn't watch the game. Yeah. And they were puffing on their fags because their nerves were yeah. sharp. It was, a, it was an absolutely exhausting day <laughs> mentally. So because that was 
a cup final if you flip over I mean Murrow Hibs was hugely important rather than come back for 6-2 down to get a 6 each draw if we were just a won that game 1-0 that night yeah. we were in Europe exactly. a lot of folk forget about that mm-hmm. a simple home victory against a very good Hibs team incidentally yes um, then we'd have been in Europe but uh, we, we got in Europe anyway but just because it was 6 each the comeback the nature of the comeback we look as Jukovic getting that absolute Marco Van Basten style goal with the last kick yeah. of the ball it was sensational so I would, I would put that as my first answer Super. of the pile as a football fan going to a lot of Motherwell games what's your favourite snack at a game? Um, my favourite snack I'm not really as much as I cow and who ate all the pies and all that. <laughs> uh, the other thing is my Instagram followers will be aware. I've been on a diet since uh, September, yes. and even anyhow when I'm at the football, I, 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 I tend not to go crazy with the pies or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so if only because of the cures, etc. Um, I, I tend not to make a regular break for the pie stall. But to answer your question. I know it's a bit of a cliche. When I do go to Rugby Park for a game, it would be remiss of me not to have a Kelly pie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I, 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 I think they are the best in the business. Yeah. Um, so I probably a Kelly pie. A Kelly pie. If I can dare I say it, I might even have two. If I get into Kilmarnock, uh, two Kelly pies would be on the menu that day, absolutely. Excellent choice, and I love a Kelly pie myself. Now, this is an interesting one. I don't like Brady's. Can I make a point about Brady? Absolutely. Or any other flaky pastry comestibles. <laughs> uh, I think they should be barred at the football because if you get some days, it's happened to me, somebody's just taking a big bite of a flaky pastry Friday and then something controversial happens at the start of the second half and they start shouting, you can get covered in the shards of flaky pastry. <laughs> I think how much Professor Jason Leach would frown upon that. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the flaky pastry is a bit messy, um, so I'll stick with a killy pie. Good stuff. Now, this is an interesting one, because this be, could be about Motherwell or just football in general. Your favourite player of all time? T- you know, I have to say, well, mm, my favourite, no, I, I'll change my, I think my favourite player of all time, Joe Watt. The late, great Joe Watt, an absolute brilliant servant to Motherwell. A lovely guy, the guy who, as I love telling the story, was late and arriving for a big uh, tribute night at a held for Phil O'Donnell in the Civic Centre in yeah. Motherwell in April 2008, uh, four months or so after Phil's untimely death. Yeah, and so. uh, we had a cast of thousands lined up to come up on stage in front of a thousand Motherwell fans. And before we started, we had them in absolute meticulously in order on my notes about what order they were coming up onto the stage one by one multiple players past and present legends everything folk to other clubs as well who just wanted to be there on the night and the only one we were waiting on was joe Watt, who is a huge favorite with the multiple fans and it was no sign of joe and when he finally arrived thinking that he was basically going to muck up or run in order. I said, Joe, where were you? Where were you? We were panicking. And Joe said the words that I'll never forget. He was this multiple legend too. A lot of modern players couldn't lace his boots to use that expression. Joe said, oh, sorry, Tam, I missed my bus. <laughs> and here was Joe Walk who was getting a bus uh, to, from his home 
uh, in Wisha, down to the Civic Centre <laughs> in Motherwell, and it broke my heart. Yeah. You know, uh, he would have gotten the bus because it was what he could have probably afforded. It was far more sensible to him than getting a taxi or whatever. And he said, well, Joe, there's no way you're getting a, a bus back home. And we made sure there was a list of folk just wanting to run them here. Yeah. Uh, but we got my taxi up the road. But it's the one thing I'll remember about Joe. The other thing being that when we were doing offside on the telly, did that for nine years. There was one night I came out and before we started the show, we were just about to start the broadcast. And I couldn't speak because they are sitting in the front row with the rest of the audience, with Joe Watt, with some of his family. And I thought, wow, I could have, I could have started crying. After all the years that I went to see Joe Watt, yeah. uh, there was Joe Watt could come to see me, Brilliant. if you like. Brilliant. And it was incredible. So Joe Watt, my favourite player, but my best player, and the greatest player, the best footballer that I've ever seen in a Motherwell jersey was, of course, the late, great David Cooper. Yes, uh, yes. When we got him in 1989 for 50 grand, uh, oh, the transfer, the biggest, the, the best transfer in the history of Scottish football, mm. quite frankly. When we got him for 50 grand, he absolutely transformed the club, culminating in our cup win in 91. And he was a genius, an absolute genius. Yep. And uh, he's the best player. I'll never see another player like him, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Interesting choices there, and, and very good ones as well. Now, this might interest my listeners. Your best away stadium. Now, I, of course, with the radio, I'm restricted. I'm the sort of guy, the devil, who hopes for games to get postponed in the Saturday. I'm hoping for an outbreak of snow and ice. <laughs> So at games, away fixtures in Motherwell get switched to the midweek and then I'm able to go with my pals. When I do go to a, 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 an away fixture, this is a terrible cliche, but I do, I, I love going to Ibrox or Parkhead with Motherwell win. Because you know what, they are the big two, right? We can't deny that. Absolutely. And there's nothing more joyous than a wee posse of Motherwell fans at Parkhead or Ibrox. When we've won, on the rare occasion that we win at these places, then they all, we can see you sneaking out, chant, uh, 40, 50, 60,000 Celtic Rangers fans. So that is joyous, right? I love going to those arenas, Ibrox and Parkhead, for that reason, yeah. right? And they are smashing big stadiums, and as a, if you're a football fan, you've got to enjoy that. Yeah. But this is a terrible cliche, but in terms of atmosphere, and it was our first game back after the death of Phil O'Donnell, we played a Scottish Cup tie, after the funeral at Tyne Castle and oh the away stand that day was absolutely rocking mm-hmm. uh, brilliant Motherwell support I think quite a few Motherwell fans got locked out that day I think they just came along in the hope of getting a ticket <laughs> and the hope maybe of sneaking in but I think they wanted to be there that day anyhow yeah. just to pay their respects to uh, Phil O'Donnell and that day was a cracking cup time it was another comeback as well we'd gone 2-0 down and we thought, ah, the players are up for us mentally because they're losing their teammate, losing mm-hmm. their pal, yeah. Phil O'Donnell. Uh, but we came back for 2 0 to 2 each. Great comeback. The place was rocking. And I'll always have really, really fond memories of Tynecastle yeah. uh, because of that fixture. Yeah. So I would need to go with Tynecastle. But the only other flip side I would give you that, and uh, if, we get, if we happen to get a wee away uh, League Cup or. Scottish Cup fixture, maybe it's somewhere like Somerset Park, where you can stand and lean yes. on a crash barrier. Absolutely majestic. Yeah. Uh, I really, really miss those days. So uh, I'll, I'll give you 
that gave an eyebrows for the, the atmosphere and the hope of seeing your team beat Celtic or Rangers in the main patch. I'd go with Tyne Castle for the atmosphere and Somerset Park for a wee bit of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Tyne Castle and I completely agree. The atmosphere is absolutely superb. We mentioned the seller on best away pie. Is it Killy or is it other ones going in the bracket? Away pie? Yeah. Aye, Kelly, let's be honest, it's the only one that springs to mind. Yes, yeah. A lot of them tend to be running the mill. The unfortunate, Mother have been top flight for consecutively now 35 years, a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 I've not visited a lot of the lower league grounds in but I believe you might be able to point out some of them to me. I, I believe there are grounds out there that do like stories and stuff like yeah. that. Or there are certain grounds where you get a really good lentil soup or yeah. whatever. And uh, I like the idea of stuff like that, but no, it's uh, Kelly Pie for me. Good stuff. Um, at an away ground. I, I wouldn't need to say that's the best. Good stuff. Right, Scott Sport or Sport Scene? Well, when both were in their heyday, I think it was perfect. When you knew you had Sport Scene, roughly speaking, 10 past 10 maybe, on yeah. a Saturday night. And you had Scott Sport after a, a great array of programmes on a Sunday afternoon, maybe involving uh, University Challenge, Glenn Michaels Cavalcade, Space 1999, you're too young to remember that, and then maybe even Bullseye. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Scott Sport traditionally in the 5pm slot uh, when you were sitting eating your Sunday dinner. Uh, and that was synonymous with it. So I love the two of them. I love both Archie McPherson and Arthur Modford and then moving it on. Uh, and two guys that I got to know pretty well, Dougie Donnelly in sports scene, Jim White on uh, Scots Sport. So, yeah, I, 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 think, I think maybe only as a kid you would have nudged towards uh, sports scene because that felt, as, particularly as a kid, you were staying up late yes. effectively to watch that uh, where the Scots board was a Saturday afternoon so there was no gallusness yeah. there you were always able to watch it I know the time I would have uh, tucked at sports scene or Scots board is when sports scene uh, maybe you, this is before your time as well but they, they would maybe show other sports yeah. shocker isn't it they would maybe do a bit of uh, motor rallying for the border <laughs> uh, and, and you think no 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 I don't want to watch this just get the fuck on and then what you used to hate was when Scott Sport on a Sunday would open with Arthur Montford presenting it for inside an ice rink <laughs> and you knew that either, either ice hockey or cuddling was going to infiltrate the programme that day yeah. so happily the two of them get their finger out in later years and 100% dedicated to broadcast the sport. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good answer to that. Uh, extra time or penalty kicks? Um, uh, that's a simple answer for a football fan. It's, it's if you've won, you know. Um, the thing that uh, I, I think every fan, as long as their team wins, you love the excitement of a penalty shootout. Yeah. You know, and you can get caught up in them as well if it's not even involving your own team. I, I, I can see, if there is an argument, if it came to midweek game replays and maybe fans were worried about catching a train or getting kids home at a reasonable hour on a school night, I'll, I'll give you a very grown-up answer here and say that I think maybe replays after 90 minutes if the game's drawn should maybe jump straight to penalty kicks. Yes. 
Yeah, okay. Just to speed it up a wee bit. And yeah. even talking as a guy who the joy of joys is able to get to the midweek games with my pals. On a Saturday, of course, my pals can maybe go for a pint after the game. I can, I can back in to do off the ball. So if I thought going straight to penalty kicks yeah. um, in a cup game was going to allow us to sneak in an extra drink in the pub, then I Yeah, definitely. Good answer. And I would go with exactly the same on that one. Now, Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo? Definitely, definitely. Um, your choice of drink at a game? At a game? Well, I must say, I'm, I'm, I'm quite partial on a cold day, and because you can have tea and coffee in the house, I, I don't think, I can't recall when I've ever bought a tea or coffee in the football. Right. But of course, for some bizarre reason, Bovril, is, I, I don't know anybody that drinks that at home. And you could as well, and dare I say, you could get real Bovril at home by buying a jar of Bovril. Yes. Whereas I'm convinced that what you mainly get now at the football is Oxo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but when I'm at the game, I do like um, a half-time Bovril. If one of the boys has gone to the food kiosk, I'll say, I get us a Bovril if they happen to ask. Um, and I insist we have Bovril as well. You've got to have lots of black pepper on it. Yeah. Uh, the wee sachets that you get, the wee paper sachets that you get at the game. And you also need to always remember a wee uh, wooden stirring stick. Yeah. Wait as well, because uh, Bovril, or indeed Oxo, has a habit of kind of getting a bit sludgy towards yeah. the bottom. And that last mouthful, if you're not careful, can be absolutely ghastly. <laughs> uh, so always remember to give it a good start. All the way down. Yeah. Okay. Good answer there. And your after game refreshment. You mentioned you like a pint. Is that is that your answer? Well, my after game refreshment. Might not, if, if it was, then only could be a midweek game. If we were able to peel out of Fort Park at whatever half nine, twenty to ten, and a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, we've just maybe enjoyed a tidy wee victory against 
Kilmarnock, let's say, uh, we would either go into Club 100, which is uh, directly, Club 100 is directly opposite uh, Fur Park Stadium, it used to be the Fur Park Social Club, and then my pal Sam, uh, Sammy has got it now. Uh, if I went in there, my drink of choice uh, would be a large gin and slimline tonic. Okay. Um, that's kind of my tip of the note, particularly in the diet era. Uh, or, if it was a beautiful, warm, late spring game, or maybe even a wee pre-season yep. friendly, and I wasn't doing the radio, then yeah, I'd allow myself an ice-cold bottle of Peroni. Excellent. So that, that would be my two of choice. Excellent. Or maybe even if it was a winter game, and we've made it into the pub, or maybe down to the new century in Motherwell, which is where we favour as well. It would be a warming glass of uh, red wine, maybe a wee Shiraz or a Malbec. Ooh, my, my brother loves his wine, so that's an excellent answer there you gave, Tam. That ends our top 10, our top 10 Tamathon, which I think was absolutely brilliant. Just one last question for you, Tam. What does the future yeah. hold for yourself and hopefully Scottish football going forward? Foremost, it's a bigger thing than me than a bigger thing from the, uh, than off the ball. I just really want to be back for personal reasons at the football, sitting with my pals who I really miss. Uh, I'm delighted that in the era of modern technology, even a once upon a time technophobe like myself, uh, I'm able to sit as I've enjoyed doing during lockdown. And some of my mates that I would ordinarily sit at the fuck away. Have a wee hook up with them with WhatsApp video or whatever, yep. and uh, sit and have a wee drink and a blather, and lo and behold, we invariably start talking about the supper. But what I'm really looking forward to is meeting up with my pals, shaking their hands, giving them a hug post vaccine, yep. and being able to sit in our normal seats in rows C, D, and E of the main stand at Fur Park, where we sit in a wee cluster and be able to have a laugh, a joke and a carry on where the football is almost secondary. Yeah. First and foremost, having a laugh with your pals and then hopefully watching a decent game on the park. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And as far as it goes with me, and let's say off the ball, uh, we, we, we're just coming to the end of our 25th anniversary celebrations. Uh, I'm now 51. I would love to think that when I am 76, uh, 76 years young that uh, I am able to celebrate our 50th the golden anniversary of Off the Ball and I will raise a glass to the heavens and salute Stuart as well Yeah, well it's a, it's a fantastic <laughs> staple diet for the world of uh, Scottish football fans like myself, absolutely fantastic um, Tom, I understand that you have got things to do so I've just got to wrap things up, thanks very much for coming on Campbell's Footballs, I really appreciate it a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, or Instagram, or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.